0: How's it going? Good morning. Good morning. 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 Hi. Morning.
1: I think Jimmy's on his, his phone.
0: Yeah, he is. He's
2: looking down. He's busy. He's doing I'm business done. stuff. We can I'm wait. Done.
1: Cool. I'm yeah. done.
2: I mean, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm, done. The, I'm done. The millions of people who listen to this podcast can just wait on you to be on your phone.
1: It's it's fine. That's right. I'm just scrolling. Nothing is vertical. Watch. Everything's good. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> yet. <laughs> What's new? Oh, uh, what's new? I, I'm working on two really big projects. Uh, I was telling you guys about them. I'm working on this, this barbecue. Two bar, I don't want to give too many details away. I'm filming it, and I'm sure the client's going to let me make a video of it, but I'm just being cautious in case he says no, which I'll just have to work on them. But I'm working on these two barbecue things, which are really cool. It's like a pair of barbecue smokers. Um, it's a hired job. And I'm also working on my rowboat, which is really coming together quickly and now i'm up and around the bend where i'm starting to feel some tension some real tension you Mm. put on those first couple of strips and it's like oh boy this is going to be fun and then you get up around the top and you're like i don't have enough clamps to keep the Mm. tension of this wood in place and so it gets a little hectic and and i have about 20 planks on and i have probably about 30 planks to completely to go to cover the whole thing so i'm approaching the halfway point but Even though it's the halfway point, it's the most complicated parts of the halfway point. Because it's where each one of the strips start taking crazy twists and turns. And you really have to fight, fight, fight. But I'm making the whole thing out of all these old deck boards that are... It's funny, a few people were under the misconception that these deck boards that are four by three-quarter inches, or maybe you might say one by fours, people assumed that I was going to just use those full boards. But I'm not making... A ship. I'm making a little rowboat, so I'm making it in the style of. You could make a ship out of them. I don't think I have enough for a ship, but by taking them and cutting them into quarters, so each strip will be about one inch by about a quarter inch. Then gluing them together over the mold. That's how I made the the strip canoe. Same. It's the same technique made made designed from the same company, Bear Mountain Boats. It's the same way. If anybody's ever seen Nick Offerman making the canoe or my video it's the same technique from the same designers and uh, it's uh, it's coming together nicely that this wood was is unbelievably beautiful I, I remember ripping up the deck and thinking to myself god this wood must be look cool because it's such old growth wood and i never cut into it but i left the pile in the front of the house and i was just thinking well, i gotta do something good with that and then i had the the brainstorm right after we did the show last year i was like oh, i'll make that my boat and I'm so glad I did because I would be I would be heartbroken if I burned most of this and then saved a piece of it and then cut it open and looked. It's just incredible. It Looks just like cedar. Over that one inch, the growth lines. There's like 50 growth lines in one inch. It's unbelievable how how old growth this material is. It was on my deck, probably built. The whole deck was nailed together with steel cut nails. So it's I don't know 1900, 1880s, something. I don't know. So the wood is that old. So back then, before there was all this building boom, the trees you cut down were old-growth forest. It's just—it's incredible. And by the time I'm done, I will have a tremendous amount left. Make another boat. Yeah,
2: you can make a ship.
1: Yeah. So essentially, yeah, yeah, the wood exactly. could be two hundred years It was old. used a hundred years ago, but prior to that, it was growing for much longer. Wow, it's pretty wild. Yeah. So that's exciting. And that's moving along quickly. And I put out the chicken coop video. Just and a friend of mine said, where's your chicken coop video? Because he heard about it, but he couldn't find it on my channel. And that's when I realized it wasn't there. And so I did a little update video. If you haven't seen it yet, only eight people watched it. So if you're the ninth and 10th person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wasn't ready for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh,
1: I did a little walkthrough of, of the buildings on the property and kind of the relationship to each one of them with my 360 camera. And walk through and just showed off where we are now six years later from when we first built the chicken coop. It was like the first groundbreaking of like farm build stuff here. So,
0: am I allowed to ask you any questions on the smoker?
1: Uh, yeah, you could ask me.
0: It, you showed it briefly. It looks like the the caps on there were rounded.
1: Is that is that true? Yeah. Did you- yeah. Well, I bought um I bought Schedule forty, which is the the designation of the wall thickness by six inches so it's a quarter inch thick steel with a six inch tube and then i went online and found end caps they're not like the perfectly round end caps like you'd see on some of these bigger smokers i'm making a making a small smoker um it's not like the perfectly like hemispherical ones i couldn't find them they're kind of more blunted ones so they are capped on but i welded them so the caps are about two inches deep so i cut up like a 19 inch piece of steel no, the the steel was sixteen inches plus four inches on each side, makes it all nineteen inches. So they come with a with a V groove already cut in them. So if you're going to weld them oh, on nice. the end of like a a, a tube, you have a, a for it's called a, called the root pass, so that the weld can go deeply inside.
0: That's convenient.
1: And I was able to do that. Yeah. So it, I got that. I got to that point, and I cut out the windows, which. Cutting out eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight doors because I'm making it's like two double-barreled smokers, eight doors, and quarter-inch steel. I went through about seven cutting discs yesterday. Mm. I went and took a shower at like two a.m. and <clears throat> like the the shower, I was like, it wasn't blood, it was just like grinding dust.
2: Oh yeah,
1: because I I don't usually murder people, but I usually grind <laughs> stuff, so usually but i was just like i looked down and it reminded me of psycho but it was like grinding dust coming out of my hair onto the floor
2: yeah that's the worst and gets stuck in your hair don't you hate that david when you oh when yeah you get like a home homosexual-
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah it gets sorry. in my I, I gotta comb it all out yeah i'm halfway
1: yeah. between both of you so i understand <laughs> i can resist sorry
0: well it's it's funny we use this this service called riverside to record the podcast and on the on the screen where I, I log in, it says "Let's check your hair, makeup, and camera" as kind of like a little <laughs> joke. But then hair has a strike through through it, and I was like, "Wait does does Riverside know that I have no hair?" Uh. Or <laughs> <it> was-
2: <laughs> should I huh? be offended? I'll have to check to see if, if mine's like struck through or not.
1: <sighs> it was probably has capitals so- in it.
2: mine's all lowercase Um, so I have a question about the boat as you've been going through this one versus the last one has there been anything that has popped up I mean I know you're following like you know you have plans it's basically the same process before has anything popped up and you're like oh like I wasn't expecting this or this is a big departure from the canoe
1: the biggest difference here is that I'm scabbing each piece of wood together and I realized so uh, the, the boat is 14 feet long so I'm scabbing in some cases two pieces of wood together in some cases three pieces of strip together so I scarf join them I have a little jig at the chop saw so that the scarf joint is pretty consistent I glue them together on the ground because it's the only longest straightest table I have so I glue them together so that at the scarf joint that it's like tangent and I try and prepare two strips every night so the next day I put them on so that's kind of in my rhythm and the uh, I, I, the difference is just that scarf joint. I have to be careful not to break it. But in the last couple of strips, I realized even if I do break it while I'm gluing it up, I just keep going. And as long as I force each strip into the previous glued up strip, I can then line the scarf joint up and put a little clamp on it and get it nice and in line. The, the, the nervousness is the fact now that I'm starting to make some severe bends, the scarf joint keeps breaking. And so I'm, I might even just keep going forward and just only gluing the scarf joint on in place instead of trying to glue it on the floor and put it up and in. So that's been the only thing. Oh, well, another really big thing is, is that on the canoe, everything was beaded and coved because the wood was supplied by the by Bear mountain boats. In this case, I'm making all my own wood. So I did not beat it and cove it, which gives it a concave on one short end and, and a convex on the other. So they kind of fit into one another as regardless of the severity of the angle of incidence, they, it kind of fits. It's like a ball joint along the whole straight edge. So in this case, I have to hand plane the whole edge make sure the, the glued-in edge is good, and then I have to hand plane the receiving edge, the edge Ooh. of the piece I'm about to glue on. Wow. So I'm making sure everything looks good on the outside. The inside, I might have some gaps, but of course, that's what uh, resin and sawdust is for. Hmm. Epoxy and sawdust, all- fix any gaps on the outside on the inside so that's the one thing i'm a little nervous about there's going to maybe be a couple of gaps here and there you could see them in last night's story how i glued it all together and then i noticed that the little gap opened up because you put all this tension in it and then you go to the front and then you go to the back and now that there's so much tension and twist in it a gap opens up so you have to figure out a way to clamp it it's getting more and more difficult to clamp it further and further away from the starting edge so you just like like, imagine clamping a row of bricks six feet up, having to force them down. You have to figure out something that grabs the course underneath it and then force the, the, the new add-on down into that open edge. And I have a couple of techniques. Again, I showed them last night on Instagram. But, and then I got to make sure. I, it seemed there wasn't nearly as much tension on some of the canoe strips. Maybe there is. I'm looking at it. It's probably the same. I'm gluing and then waiting almost half a day and then gluing and waiting almost half a day. So I have other things going on in the shop, so I'm just kind of going back and forth. Gotcha. I try to make sure, like, if we're going to talk about that topic we we previewed in the beginning of uh, before we hit record, it's the type of thing where I just every day I have to just, I set a goal, glue on two strips, and if if I don't meet that goal, I'm out here gluing strips at 3 a.m. so I can go to bed. Yeah. Not lay in bed and stare at the ceiling and say, I'm a failure. (laughs)
2: <laughs> um, any, any progress on the go-kart at all?
1: Um, you know, I'm, I'm unhold. looking, I'm looking, I, I was going to kind of scratch build it, but then I'm looking online and I'm, I'm, there's all these cool go-karts for sale for just a few hundred dollars. So I'm probably just going to go buy an old frame just to get s- started with. But July 3rd, I know Bernie's coming, Bernie's preparing his go-kart. He bought an old go-kart and he's preparing it. So, um, that's, he, he inspired me, Bernie Solo. So Bernie's going to come. And I, I'm, I'm inviting anybody that wants to come to July 3rd, the racetrack, just come bring stuff to sell like any old junk or giveaway or trade and bring a go-kart with you. And we'll just goof off and just do trials on the thing. And if there's a lot of them, somebody will win best go-kart of the day. But if there's only three of them, we're just going to hang out and eat hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, everybody will get a participation trophy. <laughs> yeah,
2: Shaped like a hot dog. Um. I have always wanted to go to a swap meet. You're talking about like people bringing stuff to just like trade or whatever. I've never been to a swap meet, and I saw some show a couple of years ago. It was like a car show, and I think it was on Netflix. Actually, one of those like car restoration shows that's totally ridiculous. But the guy did this car and then went to a swap meet, and it looked really interesting because some people had entire vehicles that they're trying to trade with other people. And then some people had just a table of parts and, you know, it's just totally random stuff of every kind of car that could, you could think of it's just like little bits and pieces. It looks like that would be a really fun thing to walk through and just kind of look at, but probably not very useful because if you need a specific part for a specific car, the likelihood that it's on one of those tables seems pretty slim,
1: but I don't know. I've never been to one. No, you never know because you have so many guys. If you go to like an automotive swap meet, you have guys that just specifically collect gear stuff, that just specifically collect Chevy stuff, that just specifically collect Impala stuff. There are guys there that, you know, if it's a big enough one, like Carlisle I used to go to, I haven't been to in a while, that's in Pennsylvania, New York, Pennsylvania near New York. Uh, it's a far ride, but it's like one of the big ones that I can kind of drive to because we don't have any real big ones in New York. In fact, a friend of mine is trying to start a car swap in, in East Durham. He's trying to figure out a way to get one. And once he nails down a date and stuff, I'll promote it yeah, In the, going cool. into the fall. But they're fun. They're fun because you, what you see is you see these guys that have, like, these old barn finds. And you look, it's for someone that likes to restore cars. You see it, you go, God, that's got so much potential. And you start doing the math. You're like, if I work five hours a day cutting out the rust, I can get that thing going. And then you just go, forget In it. Ten years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd like to do that at some point. I'm falling down that rabbit hole more and more all the time of interest in car stuff. Do you
1: follow uh, Do you follow our friend Juan, old-timey tools? Juan gets excited when I say his name. So Juan, shout out to Juan, old-timey tools. He was yeah, in a junkyard the other day that was just all Land Rovers. You mean Land Cruisers? No, Land Rovers. Oh. I don't know Land Cruisers is what you like, but he had all yeah. Land Rovers. I was like, kind of doing the math. I was about to photo it to you, but I'm like, I don't think Bob likes these ones. <laughs> <laughs> these are different Land ones. But it was like you have guys like that that, I, I don't know why i was shopping for parts, but it, we, the guy had like 30 Land Rovers mm. in various states of decay, and every one of them is, is like a, a, you know, a, a kid's dream to start yeah. wrenching on.
2: Yeah. I've seen a few places on Instagram that are, are like that. It's just a, it's almost like a junkyard for one car. It's yeah. really strange, and and yeah, there Chevy are some Land ones where they're yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just like Jimmy's backyard. That's funny, um, and it, it's wild that somebody would spend the real estate and the effort to collect dead cars because that's kind of what they're doing. They're just like piling these pieces back there. They're not going to restore them. They're just making them available for people that need, you know, this part or that part. But it's it's not like a junkyard where anything shows up and you just got to go dig through it. It's at least the ones that I've seen are, you know, Land Cruisers and you know, that pile or that line over there are this series or from this year to that year. And then mm-hmm. back there in that corner, it's a pile of this year to that year. It's kind of cool. I'd like to go check one of those out. I also found that in Salt Lake City, this isn't interesting to you guys, but I'm gonna say it anyway. There's a um, <laughs> there's a Land Cruiser Heritage Museum. So if anybody lives in Salt Lake City and you're interested, there's a whole warehouse of like fully restored, you know, all different age range, uh, lots of different Land Cruiser. It looks like a really cool place to go check out. So if I can ever find a reason, I have a couple of reasons to go to Salt Lake City, but if I never make that trip. Uh, definitely gonna stop by there and check it
0: out. David, yeah. What do you what have you been up to? I have I'm not real good at painting pictures with words, so I might need a little help describing this. Whoa. But um uh, oh, wow. I've been working with the veneer vacuum press. This was wow. the third so I'm making this little drink table and it's shaped like an S, but it has one more curve in there. So it's like if you're drawing in an S, and you just kept. It looks like a drip. It's like a
2: curvy M, yeah. M on its side. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So this, uh, um, wow. this has been an adventure doing this. How
1: do you vacuum pack that? I gotta watch that video. What is that so, video? Out?
0: Um, the so it took three attempts because I'm doing things that I haven't read or seen anybody else do. But in regular vacuum pressing veneer, you just stick your platen and your and your board and your veneer in a bag and turn the vacuum on and wait a couple hours and pull it out. And then to do curves, you can put the whole form with the veneers into the bag. And then there's a a third technique where you put all your veneers in a bag and then you wrap that bag around a form. Usually that form is just like a a, a curve. And so I made what is basically just a box. It's got four sides and I this f- and so I put all my veneers into a bag and then that fits into this box. I don't know if you can oh, see that. Wow.
1: That's yeah. Cool.
0: So and then just let that dry and I can pull it out of the box. Hopefully that makes sense.
2: So there was nothing in. So for anybody who can't see this, which is everybody except for the three of us. <laughs> and it's an M with like a curvy dip like a yes. dip in the middle is is like a like a drop. So
0: did you put that in there and fill those spaces no. with something or no, I just let oh, the wood wow. do its natural curve. So the box just kind of sets the two the, the top and bottom of this form and then I wow. just let the the bag and the veneers just kind of take their shape within that box. And because it's all in a bag when you pull that vacuum all those veneers close in on each other but it took three attempts and i almost didn't finish the project so the first time i use bending plywood which is plywood that's made to bend it bends one way but doesn't bend the other way and i sandwiched that between two pieces of maple veneer and i couldn't get as many curves inside the box and so it didn't it didn't look cool And what I realized was once it dried inside the bag, it was actually too big to pull out of the bag. I had to break it to get it out. Does that make sense? Because it goes into the bag flat, but coming out of the bag, it has its shape. And I was like, ah, this was going to be such a good idea. And then I had this aha moment where what if I make a bag just for this and I use sealing tape around there and I can cut the bag open? So it's almost like a sacrificial bag, but I can wow. reuse the bag if I need to make something smaller in the future. I just cut off the seam um, tape. So I, on, and I realized that the bending plywood didn't do so well because when it came out of the form, it was very springy. And then I used a veneer glue, which doesn't dry brittle. It dry like if you just poured a bunch of Veneer glue on your bench, and you let it dry, and you peel it off your bench. You could bend the glue, so I needed something that had a little bit more rigidity. So I got glued just for doing these curves, which, like when it dries, it it snaps. Hmm. So on the second attempt, um, I put, I decided to use all veneers, just six six layers of veneers, and no no bending plywood. I'm like, okay, I got it. This is this is gonna work. And in the and on the books and the videos, it tells you to on the ends to tape them or pin pinnail the ends so the veneers don't slide around when you pull the vacuum. And I did that, but I realized that caused the middle of when I put it into the form, the middle started to bind because the veneers couldn't slide around and make all those S curves. And I realized this during the middle of the glue up. And so I, I'm like panicking. I pull it all out of the bag and I take off the tape and I try to reposition the veneers. And it didn't, uh, the glue started to set. So I put it back in there and that, that binding was still in there. So the second attempt didn't work. And it's getting kind of expensive at this point because a 4x8 sheet of veneer is like $70. Ooh. So I was like, okay. I went like as Jimmy would say, I went to school, I learned something. Mm-hmm. I can talk about this in the video. It was I wasn't I wasn't even upset. I was I learned so much from those two glue ups that I was like, this is really cool. Now I know how to do it for for the future. So I started to finish the video and I was gonna be like, I think I could do it. I'm just going to do it at a later time. And then later that night, I was just like, "Why am I stopping the video now?" There's a, there's an amazing story in this. And so I went and got more veneer. It's kind of expensive, but I did it. And then the third time actually worked. I used the right glue. Um, I didn't. I didn't tape down the ends, and it took the shape perfectly. And
1: I, I, I know there's have no be... idea you did it. I can't wait to see the video. Yeah.
0: I, I know there's going to be some people that's going to say, oh, just make a form and clamp it to the form. But that form to make this is really complicated. <laughs> yeah. And would take a long time to make. It and, would. And this is just going to, into in a bag and that bag is going into a box and letting the wood take its natural shape that it wants to take within that box. And so it's super quick. And it's one of those things. It's like when I was starting to learn welding and I ha- had that aha moment. I'm like, this is going to change everything. This is one of those things like, I can do so much with this. I haven't seen anybody do this particular technique and now I can get really crazy with my but What's, what's
1: interesting to me is that it, because you didn't fear that the vacuum bag might pop because does the whole bag touch itself once it's all completely, or is there any negatives? Like if you're gonna vacuum pack that box, mm. does the plastic bag completely oh, come through so, those negative spaces no, and touch each other?
0: The box doesn't go into the bag. So imagine these six veneers all in a straight wow. line, and I make a bag that is just slightly bigger oh, than oh,
1: that. Oh, so it's like a sleeve. So it's yeah, a yeah, sleeve on that whole
0: th- They all right. go into the bag, and then I curl up and twist the bag into the box. The box oh, is just okay. I thought it was bag. around. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. Okay, that blows so my mind because it's totally different than what I was picturing this whole time. What's crazy to me
0: is
2: that looking at this thing—I uh, wish everybody else could see it, but I guess they will soon— how symmetrical it is for you, not like you know, putting yeah. in
0: blocks to hold that in place. So yeah. a couple That's a crazy. couple of little tricks. So as you can see, it, it fits right in this box. I know I'm getting away from my microphone, but I clamped the top to the box and yeah. I clamped the bottom to the box, and then I, I could I could move the middle to keep this symmetric shape, and then I just laid it flat on the bench and let it dry for a couple hours while it's hmm. pulling the vacuum. It'll make sense in the video. Sorry if you yeah. So no if visuals. I can
1: describe to people to, to what, we, what we've been talking about is if you took like a big piece of chewing gum, stuck it inside of like a sock or a condom, and then, <laughs> then shaped it to any shape you want that's not flat, and then sucked all the air out of it. So yeah. Bob, uh, Dave constricted the shape of it by putting it inside of a square box. Yeah. So you have like a, a long piece of gum and a condom, and you flatten it all up and stick it in a box, and then uh. suck the air out of it. It's taking that unusual shape that to fit inside this constricted shape, and then you then you laminate or you, then you uh, compress it.
0: And it's a sacrificial condom; you can't use it again because you have to cut the condom open <laughs> to get it out. So I think that's like how they most work of them yeah. usually. Yeah. <laughs> you you couldn't use your good vacuum bags for this because you have to cut it to get the shape out. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> we just had some we had a roll of vinyl left over from a porch window project. And I didn't even know if this was gonna work. And so I, I just used that. And the ceiling tape is like this rubbery, it's almost like what your windshield is used to to hold to stay. I was your gonna cart. say,
2: is it like gasket glue yeah. type stuff? And yeah. so
0: and like a 30-foot roll is like $14 on Amazon. So a 30-foot roll is great for a few a few different vacuum bags, and it worked great. I just got a um oh. like a I don't know what it's called, a little brass nipple from Home Depot and just Use that sealing tape to seal that to the bag, and it all worked great. Oh. I was, it was really exciting. I'm so glad I didn't give up on the project.
2: So the vinyl you're talking about is—is is it that thick, like like you would cover a, a screened-in porch kind of? Yeah,
0: yeah. If almost like
2: a like a pool float kind of vinyl, that stuff.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, maybe okay. maybe a little thicker. Something that you'd use to you know cover a, yeah. a boat. It's clear, um, and it works. Gotcha. It works super yep. great. Yeah.
2: Awesome. That's cool. I'm looking forward to seeing exactly how you did it. I kind of have an idea, but that's cool. So it, it, is the video ending at that curve, or is that curve
0: to be used in a thing? Um, so I'm, I'm a little – I don't know where the vi- – the video could actually be two videos, the, because the first part of the video is just like here's some basic vacuum press veneering, and then – I say, I'm going to take this to the next level and try to do this thing. And there's so much footage and there's so many failures. And that second part, I don't know if I should separate it into two videos of like, here's one, here's your basics, what you need to get started. Here's another one. Here's some advanced techniques and some experimentation. I don't know. I got to, yeah, this is, it's one of those videos It was supposed to be really simple, and now I have hours of footage to sift through, like every video. Yeah, just like every video, but there's there's more footage than usual, and mm. I'm exhausted just thinking about editing this guy. <laughs> cool. I'm good. Um,
2: so we're not putting out a video this week. Uh, we decided to to skip this week just because I went to Savannah this past week to help a friend move and so I just I was gone for a few extra days and then Memorial Day uh, everybody took off and stuff so we were working on a video uh for next week well it was for this week but it's going to be for next week I guess I go ahead and talk about that because it's not like anything uh super secret or anything I I know you guys have heard me talk about this before but I've been I've had a Bridgeport and a South Bend lathe for like two years now I think. And I've only used both of them like a couple of times each. And even those things that I use them for are were pretty, like, as simple as possible. And I was kind of avoiding using both of the tools. And so I thought it might be interesting to take, and I have a few other things like this that I'm uh, kind of afraid of. Not afraid like I'm scared of, but I'm, I'm intimidated by. I don't understand. I avoid... Just and I can work around them, and so I think I'm going to start making a few videos here and there about the things that I'm afraid of as a way to attack them head on. Just call out the things that you know I'm worried about, and then because mm-hmm. maybe other people share those things. So right, right here, this one yeah. is yeah. <laughs> this one is uh, is called I'm afraid of machining, and so I decided to just find a thing to make with those two tools. So I only use those two tools. Um, And so I ended up needing, on the miter saw station, I had these, like, plywood stop blocks that had a little, you know, there's a T-track, and they had a little threaded insert knob thing, so you could just slide them to where you want. And and they work fine, but they're never truly square. There's always something that kind of like, I don't know, they're fine. But I figured, hey, that's a thing that I could easily make out of metal, and replace one of these things and I, it would give me a, a chance to experiment with a couple different metals, a couple different, you know, use both machines. And so I came over the little design and then modified the design through it. And the video is not necessarily about the design or about making the stop because you can buy them really cheaply. It's, it's, it's not an efficient way to make a stop, to get a stop, but it was about using aluminum and brass. So I, I stayed with softer metals you know, so I felt comfortable there. But I had to do several operations on the bridge port on a single piece, so I had to work about, you know, work out the order of operations of doing those things. Um, I made a brass knob with knurling on the outside of it for the first time, and so, Jimmy, I have questions about knurling. <laughs> um, but I made this thing and and got done with it, and we had this story kind of ahead of time, you know, that these are things that I'm legitimately, I don't, scared is the wrong word, but like, I'm really cautious about, especially the lathe. It just feels like a death trap. It just feels (laughs) like there's, something's gonna fly off that I didn't even know was there and it's gonna hit me in the face and then I'm dead. And so, we had this like, we're assuming there's gonna be a certain amount of drama to this, you know, like realistic drama to making this thing. And, after I started using the Bridgeport to cut these slots and, you know, mill both sides of a piece and everything, I got through it, and I'm like, that's actually all stuff that I'm kind of already comfortable with. Like, it's not – there was nothing there that was really that scary. It was just a matter so of – So,
1: do you live by, by the end of the video? You live? <laughs> I,
2: I do survive at the end, yes. Okay. Um, but I got through the Bridgeport stuff, and we were like, well, that wasn't bad. At all. Like, that's kind of (laughs) boring. It's just just milling. And then we got to the lathe part, and that's when it kind of set in, like, oh, yeah, I've used this thing, like, maybe once, maybe twice, and I don't remember what all these knobs are, and I don't remember if I need to, like, I don't know how to change the speed of this thing. Are there different speeds, or is it just different amounts of torque? I don't know. And... uh, Did you
1: learn any of that, or you still don't know?
2: I, I still, I mean, I understand a little bit of it now, but I think I need, I need a manual for that. Thing, just to see, because all of the nameplates and everything are really hard to read. You know, they're super. There's
1: warm, a famous, know. famous book out by South Bend called "How to Run a Lathe." It's a pretty descriptive oh. name. But if you go online and you can get them on eBay, there's all versions of them. Like they they made them for like 30 years in a row every year. So okay. whatever year your lathe is, you could find one that's almost. Ex- they, they run the gamut. They're all pretty much exactly the same, but yeah. yeah, they do make them year to year. So if you just go on eBay, you can find a reprint of whatever year yours is or close to it.
2: Somebody told me about a book like that. It wasn't how to run it. It was how to restore it. And I, Mm -hmm. for some reason, I bought that book when we first got the machines. And then I set it aside because I'm not really going to restore it. But then I kept thinking in the back of my mind, that book tells me how to run the lathe.
1: (laughs) And then when I yesterday... been made it for years. you would probably find one just like... Yeah, but I went yesterday to open
2: that book to like look up how to change the speed. And I'm like, oh, this is not how to run the lathe. This is how to restore the lathe. And there were some clues in there, but not like... Take this leather strap to this wheel, and you know it wasn't any of that stuff. So, did you cut the
0: threads for the knob on the lids or Did you do that with
2: a no? Tap and no, I just did that with yeah, just a, a tap. And in the brass, that was easy enough to do by hand. That was like the
0: last operation. It's a really um, cool piece. You sent a little video well, of thanks. it working, and I was like, "That's some advanced stuff that I would have no idea how to do." Hmm. Well, thank you. I mean, it's very simple. And I
2: think I thought it was advanced too for me, you know. And then as I started cutting it, I'm like, "Oh, this is like the same thing over and over on different sides of the same piece of material. It's not, it's not complicated." But, um, but one interesting thing was I started making the so there's a piece that fits in the T-track, a little like a flat piece, and then there's a leg that sticks down to be the stop. And then I was going to put the knob on the side. So the original idea was that you would be able to loosen the leg swing it up out of the way. A lot of them are spring-loaded, and so you can swing the leg up out of the way and leave it in place. And I realized that I made the pieces too small. There was just no way to get in with your hand and twist a knob in the amount of space that there was right up against the wall of the miter saw. And so after I made the first of these three pieces, I had to switch gears and change the idea. So uh i was able to move the leg you'll see it in the video but i was able to move the leg to the front of the piece cut a slot in it so it can just slide up and down and then the knob acts as a tightening It looks
1: really good bob well thank
2: you it because it, i uh, thought it
1: was just a still picture when you sent the text message i just watched it again i didn't realize what was going on it's oh. really really cool
2: so the knob acts as a way to tighten it in the track but also to tighten the leg up or down so you can slide it up and down and i I don't know that I've seen that anywhere else. Maybe I have. I'm not.
0: Is the slide is up idea, and down? But... Is that um is that on its own track where there's no um twisty twisty track twisty, twisty yes.
2: So the the leg that is moving, the outside of the thing that's moving up and down is sitting in a track. So it's locked.
0: Okay. So when you and put it back it down, it goes a... back down into its original yeah. Space, a
2: spot. Yeah. Okay. And then the inside of it has a slot in it to help it Slide up and down yeah. on a yeah. bolt, so that it yeah, it's in a track and is a track yeah. at the same
1: time. How many did you yeah, make? It's cool, just one. Yeah. Oh yeah, it looks great. Dude. How long did it take Thanks.
2: to make that one? Actually, not that long. No. Oh <laughs> I, no, and now that I it now looks that so I understand complicated that I, to I, me, it's really not. It's it's. I'm glad to hear that, but it's really not. It's three very simple pieces of, of metal. Um, but
1: th- that's a great perfect exercise. Like now that you've broken that ground a little bit. You're going yeah. to start realizing how you could utilize it for other things you never would have considered, which is right. that's why it's important I think, to experiment. Yeah,
2: I think that's the thing that I really took away from the video. It's not that I'm any less like, oh, yeah, I'm like Cavalier with the, the lathe now. It's not that. It's that I realize that I can, if I need a knob for something that has threads on the inside of it and knurling on the outside and a chamfer on the ends, like I've done that before. I've done it, and I can do it again in half the time because now I know, like, oh, well, the parting tool – has to go at roughly this speed instead of super-duper slow. You know, I was being really cautious about everything. I was working up speeds. And I still have to figure that out. I've only used it for brass, right? So as soon as I put a piece of steel in there to do the same thing, I'm going to have to relearn it, you know, the, those speeds and everything. But uh, it, it was a step. It was a step past the how can I avoid this tool <laughs> to... Oh, well, now I can, I can think about, like, custom knobs for things. Or now I can think about, you know, building uh, rollers. I, I tried one time. I don't know if I ever said this or not. But I tried to, to make rollers for a uh, tube bending uh, thing, tube bender. And these rollers are big, like, 3-inch round Delrin wheels with a channel in the middle. And the ones that came with it were for round bar. And so the channel inside this wheel was round, and I wanted square tubing, so I wanted one with, a, you know, squared off channel on the inside of this thing. And so the only time I've really used the lathe was putting this big three-inch Delrin rod on there and trying to cut into it. And Delrin is like, it's, it's like a here's a butter. giant piece of butter. I'm gonna stick on the lathe <laughs> and just like hook my finger into it. Like it's super easy. It's really messy, but it's very easy to machine. And so that was, I knew that was not realistic to how me- any kind of metal would feel. Uh, but it was an interesting way to get started and to cut out a whole lot of material and be able to bore a hole for a bearing to go on the side of it. And, and that was cool. It was a good step. At least I understood how to use it. Uh, but the feeling of that and the feeling of metal on the same machine, were very, very different. So anyway, I hope that the video will be at least encouraging to somebody that has like a thing that they've been avoiding. That's the point of it. Not, it's not how to machine. Cause I certainly don't know what I'm doing. It's not how to make a miter saw stop because that was one of many ideas, but you know, we'll see if it actually gets the feeling across that I'm hoping it gets across. But for me, whether it does that or not, it was a good, like it was useful. It was, it was, it was mentally useful for me to like get past a little hurdle that I've been up against. So That was pretty cool, but that's what I've been doing. And then we're about to jump into shooting two videos at the same time uh, because one's got some concrete work in it, and it's going to have a big cure time, and then the other one's going to have fiberglass in it, so that's going to have some cure time, so we're going to be kind of bouncing back and forth between
1: those. Cement for the gear?
2: Yeah, yeah. I decided to get rid of all the sheet metal. Yeah. No, 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 not the floors. That's silly. (laughs) I decided to get rid of all the... All the sheet metal and do cement skins on the outside of the like,
0: yeah. Uh, that's, that's gonna be useful. Sheet metals, sheet metals too hard.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was at Walmart yesterday. I don't. This is a big pivot. I was at Walmart <laughs> yesterday, or two days ago, or whatever. And we were in Tennessee, and I was looking for your kits, Jimmy. Right. I was trying to see if in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, at Walmart there were your kits. And I looked in every possible corner of that store that I could think that they might be in, and I couldn't yeah. find them. I was really bummed.
1: They uh, they are typically in the the DIY aisle, which never existed before. My product <laughs> oh. it's the only product in the DIY section. Yeah, and it's they had a big craft in a paint- section
2: in this one, and there were a bunch of wooden things in there, like kits. Yeah, I thought maybe yeah. they'd be
1: there. But we're a little. We're like a little. They're, they're figuring it out because what we're selling for forty bucks, they're selling for eight cents in another aisle. So they're like. But, you know, you get the value is is also relative. So we are – I teamed up with a – that's why I went to Arkansas a couple months ago. I I teamed up with a company that is now going to be my merchandiser for those products. And right now we're we're working our way through that inventory. They're going to close it out in some spots. It didn't really move, but, I mean, partly because it's overpriced, partly because it's in a really weird spot. Mm -hmm. And – it's just difficult, you know, but like Howard said to me last year, he's like, I'd rather try it and fail than say, you know, wish we never, we never know what we did. So anyway, that got us into this new partnership with this uh, merchandising group, and we're going to be developing more products for that line. So they're taking over sort of the internal marketing with between Walmart and the company, so they're taking over the reins for that, and we're in the process right now trying to figure out what to do with uh, the product on the shelf or how to move it around internally in the store. You might have been at a store that didn't have it because, again, it was yeah. only at 400 or 4,000 stores. And typically it's in the paint aisle. This is where the little four-foot mm. DIY section is in the paint aisle. And these are typically stacked under the glue. So if you see the type-on glue section, we're right underneath the type-on glue, oh. glue section.
2: Okay.
1: And that also is how I got my relationship with type-on glue is through the Walmart situation. Yeah. And that's that's turned out to be fruitful. So <clears throat> the product itself is not doing gangbusters. And <clears throat> last week it wasn't on the website anymore, but they think it was a glitch. It wasn't necessarily a conscious decision to remove it. But.
2: Hmm. And we're I working our way out. through. Because I was, I was trying to look it up on the website to see if it could tell me if it was at that yeah. store or not, and it wasn't there. But. Yeah. Well, the reason I brought up Walmart is not that, but mm-hmm. um, I'm glad to hear, you know, all of that. reason I brought it up is because I was walking through Walmart, back by the toy aisle, and they have... You know how... You remember Power Wheels? Of course. Yes. Like, like it's like mini cars that are battery-powered. Yeah. They have a tank. They have like a powers wheel, Power Wheel tank that two kids can sit in, and it has a rotating turret. And oh, I looked cool. at it, and I was like, we need to buy all of these. <laughs> Just every single one that we can find. There's got to be something we can do with a bunch of mini tanks, <laughs> and if they can hold two kids, they can probably hold one adult. So
0: I wanted to kind of brainstorm that and see if you guys oh, have any wow. ideas of what we could do with a mini tank. Uh, well, you have that big building now, so I- I'm seeing some sort of like tank battle. You got you got to turn the <laughs> the the gun okay. into an actual working working gun, like a, mm. like uh, bringing some Nerf gun action into that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Oh, my goodness. Put a a little
2: compressor. I mean, I have a little tiny compressor that I got for my Land Cruiser. Mm -hmm. And so if I could run that off the battery, inside there we could build a compression tank in the barrel of the tank. Mm
0: -hmm. And you could load it with, like, tennis balls. Yeah. You could make a tennis ball gun out of it. And then there's a whole scorekeeping. Like, this is a series of videos right here. Hmm. You got some scorekeeping. You're making up a game. Okay, so I have to go to Walmart after this podcast.
2: (laughs) That sounds so (laughs) much fun. Got to go buy some tanks. I want to play.
1: I want to play. See if you can get it to shoot, like, meringue or something. (laughs) (laughs) Something messy, like paintballs, but grosser.
0: You guys grow peaches in in Kentucky? No, no. Mm.
2: Not that I'm aware of, but. (laughs) Anyway, I, I saw this tank, and I legitimately thought, like, there's something there. Like we got to be able to do something with these
0: little mini tanks. So I may end up picking one. I don't know
2: how expensive they were. I didn't pay attention. It doesn't matter.
0: That might. This is one of those (laughs) cases where money is not an object. (laughs) It's worth it. Yes.
2: Whatever it is. Cool. Um, Well, uh, we did have kind of a topic. There was – we got a message this week. Let me see if I can pull it up here. And it's from 323 Customs. I got this on Instagram. Basically, they were saying that they, they work really crazy hours and sometimes like 5 a.m. to 8 p.m and you know, they, or, or like 8 a.m. to midnight, that kind of a thing. So it's really inconsistent amounts of time, uh, and uh, I guess there's a woodworking kind of side hustle you know thing. And so the question was if, or the statement was, if you guys could talk about keeping consistent in the humble beginnings, around life, you know, uh, he would really appreciate it. So I'm curious as a recommendation for somebody who's trying to start a thing, no matter if it's content creation or if it's just like, you know, hobby woodworking
0: or metalworking or whatever around life. Here's the, here's the biggest thing. It depends on the goals of what this person wants the thing to end up. Like what, if, it, if the end goal is just I want to have fun and this is a hobby, don't let that interfere with your life. Like you, you, if you force yourself to keep doing this and setting time aside every single day to do this, it won't be fun anymore. But if the end goal is to turn this into a money making business, then you got to set aside you like you have to blocks of time works best for me like i'm just like for the next 20 minutes i'm gonna do this thing that i don't want to do i'm gonna try Mm -hmm. to turn my phone off which is always hard Mm -hmm. or just leave the phone in the house or do something and just do blocks of time uninterrupted time i'm gonna i'm
2: gonna just so we have a name to put with this i looked it up um a guy named christian is running 323 customs doing woodworking stuff just so we have like okay a name that we can talk to. So.
1: Yeah. Well, I think Jim? it's, uh, I think it's um, important to decide uh, what you want to get done in a week or in a, in a day, in a few hours, in a week. But if you look back at the week, I think it's a little bit more relieving, whereas if you look at it day to it day, might you might get a little bit more discouraged. But you do have to set time aside. And, and I, I know, we all know, when we're passionate about something we really want to do, we'll figure out the time. It's, you know, when it becomes a little bit more grueling and you maybe, even though you're in something you really love to do, you're going to come across that moment where you're going to be afraid to use the lathe. And you're going to think of excuses not to do it. I'm going to come across the spot on the boat where the, the wood's got to twist harder and I got to clamp it more and I don't have enough clamps. So I will subconsciously avoid doing it. And then I have to remind myself, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. I'm sweeping because I don't want to do that thing, which I know I have to do. (laughs) And, you know, I, I do it to myself unconsciously, but I do have to catch myself. So consistency, I think you just need to set aside a certain amount of time each day or each week and look back at that week and say, okay, I got that goal done. You know, maybe write down a goal for your woodworking project. And if you only move it along a little bit, 20 minutes at a time. But when you look back at the week, you say, that's my goal that I achieved, which is cool. And then you confronted those issues. And then often, you know, if with, with little, limited time, it's important, too, to realize when you're scrolling or doing something useless, think to yourself, what else could I be doing right now? Oh, I could be exercising. Put the phone down and go do exercise or go clamp board or whatever. So you got to really be self-aware, which is the hard part. Yes. Mm-hmm there's so many distractions and you really got it. Like I, when my shop door is open lately and now all the neighbors know me, I, I can't get anything done for 20 minutes. So having to stop and talk to somebody, it's really, that's why I'm working in my backyard more and more because when my shop door is open, everyone, Oh, do you weld? Oh, what do you make here? And then I got to get in the whole five minute thing or, Hey, can I come hang out for a minute? I'm like, oh, okay. All right. And, so lately, I just go. You can stand there, but I have to keep working. And then they're like in the middle of a sentence, and I just flip on the saw. You just you
0: but, need the over in the, the over ears uh, hearing protection, and just have that on all <laughs> the time, and nobody can talk to you. It sends a good <laughs> yeah. signal.
1: But what's annoying is there's a lot more activity in my little business enclave over there. So like more than half the so ten people wandering in a day, five of them are looking for somebody else, and they don't know where they are because they're no. with a the giant truck looking to deliver something. So there's not too much clear signage in my little business uh, cul-de-sac over there. So there's that. And, uh, yeah, you just really have to be strict and say, I'm going to do this. So when you come home and you get your family time out of the way, you steal away, wait till everyone goes to sleep, and then go work for an hour. Mm.
2: I think that's a really good – I mean, that, that is helpful to me, what you just said, because looking at, at the week instead of the day – or the yeah. day instead of the hour or the month right. instead of the week. depending. Because then on what you
1: get discouraged. you like, oh, I wanted to get this done. But, you know, like look at every Friday. Look back and see what you've gotten yeah. accomplished. Because I'm in the same position,
2: honestly, uh, whereas like the I like to make stuff stuff in general is my job that now takes up all my time. And then I have this car that I want to work on over there. And it only feels yeah, productive if I'm putting in a, a passion within worth- a passion. Yeah, it's, but it only feels productive if I'm putting a day's worth of work into it. But if I wait until I can put a day's worth of work into it, I'm not going to get much done at all. So I have to go in and put an hour in here and an hour in yeah. there, and then occasionally I'll get a day. And it it always is, you know, disconcerting when I look back at an hour and I'm like, well, I welded two little spots and waited for them to cool. Like, that's not useful. But when I look back at the week of an hour in here and an hour there, so that's really – that's good perspective. Thank you for that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say – just in general with that, take advantage of this. What I was going to say is take advantage of the small things. Just try to look at, you know, of all the things that you have to accomplish for Project A, you know, uh, what are the little things that, like, what, what job can fit in an hour? What job can fit in 30 minutes that you can just get ahead? And sometimes I think that might mean sweeping or cleaning off the table in, thir- in that free 30 minutes so that it's not in the way when you get an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, so that you don't have sweeping as a fallback to eat up your time when you're stuck on something. You know, so sometimes things that don't really seem productive can end up being productive because they're they're getting out of the way. So I, I think not discounting that to make all of your time, your big blocks of time, more useful
1: is probably. And I, I just reminded myself. I said it previously, but I'll say it again, more with more emphasis, is that when when I was with Taylor in the beginning and when we got together before YouTube, before I was. Literally editing every free minute of my life, I we'd have plenty of time together. We'd go to dinner and like quite literally sit around and go casually hang out at a dinner table in the cafe or whatever for hours and like do nothing. And like we look back at that time and like, can you imagine if we had nothing to do? Because <laughs> now Taylor is also <laughs> busy. She's also really busy making her furniture and trying to run her business. And she's gotten a lot of orders this this month. She's really things are really picking up for her. And uh, one of her clients just bought a new house, and she's like. I want you to do everything in the house. So she's really excited about that. But the point I was going to make is, is that, you know, when I don't have a big family, it's just her and I, but I would wait till she fell asleep. We'd go to bed together and wait till she fell asleep. And then I'd sneak out of bed and go edit. Because mm-hmm. if I edited before we went to bed, she'd be like, what are you doing? Like uh, Still with the YouTube thing? Like, cause it was the beginning. I don't know if it was worth, worth any time or energy, but I would wait till she fell asleep, and then I'd go out and go at it. So, you could do family time, work, business, and you know, just start biting into your sleep time. Yeah, if you can afford it. I know it sounds like you got something else going on. That's probably needs a lot of a you know well slept attention. But if you could afford it, whenever and that's the other thing too is the good thing about it is no one's going to make a sandwich over your shoulder while you're editing and no one's going to say, Oh, can you tell me what you're working on? How do you do that? And then all of a sudden you, it's just like you're trying to spin plates and someone keeps tickling you. You're like, could you please just, yeah. Not. you get to think about, I guess in, go ahead. There's always a
0: sacrifice. If you're going to add something new yeah. to your life, you have to sacrifice something else. Whether that's, that's that your Netflix sleep. time or, or or whatever, you have to realize you can't just keep throwing more things into your life.
2: Yeah, well, that's a good thing to what I was going to say is another thing to think about if you're doing a side hustle or if you have an idea of something that you want to build up a business or a hobby or whatever, you have to realize that there is a limited amount of time. And just because you see other people doing something doesn't mean it has to be a part of your life. Just because it's, it's exciting to see somebody else have a certain kind of job or a certain kind of family or a certain kind of lifestyle, it it can still be cool that they have that. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have it too. And so, and I'm not trying to discourage somebody from having a side hustle, but like you have to value the things that in are in your life. Like what's really important to you? Is it really important to just try to do this little thing over there that's not going to make any money or that's not going to like fulfill you at this at the expense of sleep, at the expense of family time, at the expense of doing your job that pays your life well? You know what I mean. So some of those things you you have to put them you have to prioritize them correctly and not just because it's exciting because it, you can you can get things out of priority pretty quickly when you're trying to cram too much stuff into your life. So just careful with that I think but yeah the trade off uh, the sacrifice is a good way to put it because it's the same idea I mean, you only have so many hours so anyway I hope that was helpful I don't know if it was or not but that's how our shows usually
0: go <laughs> I don't know if they're actually helpful well, one of the things yeah, um, I mean you're, you, when you say look at somebody else don't forget that when you see somebody else somebody else's life you probably only see what they want to show you Like, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, look at anybody on YouTube, you're, you're seeing all the success, but what you might not see is Mm -hmm. their sacrifices behind the scenes and their struggles. And, um, with social media, we're always putting our, we're always putting our makeup on and looking our best on camera, but there's, there's a lot more behind the scenes stuff and your neighbor, your neighbor who has the amazing job and the awesome car and the perfect lawn. What do they sacrifice and that you don't see?
2: Yeah, and realize that Jimmy wears a ton of makeup. A ton mm-hmm. of makeup. A ton of makeup. Yeah. Yep. Um. Well, you guys got anything else in regards mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. or anything else? I didn't ask you about uh, knurling, and at some point, maybe next week, we'll talk about knurling because
1: knurling. I knurled Is it, Did you do like a bump knurl? Like you push it into it? uh sure yep. <laughs> yeah you push you push you push the knurl into it you push in like the two wheels into yes it. yeah yeah
2: yeah but it I somehow did it, magically works it, did it? i mean it technically worked and it is knurled but i don't know hmm. if it's as knurled as it's supposed to be or how cleanly knurled it is i don't know it all anyway. depends
1: you could push in really hard and there's also a knurler what that grabs top and bottom and a lot of guys like yeah. using that knurler because yeah. that doesn't put any pressure on your 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 turning headstock Literally just the pressure is between two points as opposed to just pushing directly into your shafts of movement.
2: Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I got kind of – it didn't turn out like I thought it was going to was the videos I watched, they were using steel. And so when when they pushed that in, it started to create the little – Anybody that doesn't know what knurling, what I'm talking about, it's it's the little grip pattern on a knob on the outside, mm-hmm. the kind of cross-hatched pattern. And
1: the way it's done is there's two wheels. The hatch goes one way on one wheel and another way on the other wheel, and you push it into a piece of material where all three wheels are contacting, and the big wheel takes up the pattern, the X and the Y, on the little wheels and creates the, the diamond shape. Yeah.
2: So when it does that, it, cre- it creates little slots that are crossing each other. And so when you then back the tool out and then push it in again if you may need to make it deeper or whatever. Those little teeth, those things, find the groove that they made before and kind of seat Pretty themselves. Amazing. But then with brass, I'm not sure that that happens quite the same.
1: Sometimes, Well, also, also there also is a thing. you got to research a little bit. Um, you might change the diameter a little bit because the hatching might l- not land back in itself. If your diameter is off by just a little bit. It's, hmm. you know, there's obviously more skilled people at this than me. But in my experience, if you change the diameter just slightly, then the hatching will fall back into itself. Otherwise, it just ends up grinding it away. Yeah. Yours, it, from the picture you sent me, it looks pretty good. And then the also requires lots of oil. So you really got to put lots and lots of oil on Even it with brass? It. Yeah. Oh, but, okay. Yeah.
2: I didn't use any.
1: It'll work better if you have lots of oil. Because you're creating lots of friction. You're you're just literally forcing material into other material. One is is tool steel, so it's not going to budge. But the other material is moving around a lot. You know, on a microscopic level, creating a lot Mm -hmm. of heat and a lot of gumminess. So by putting oil on it, it makes it go a lot easier. And Um, you're going to get some debris. you got mm -hmm. some debris pulling off of that because a lot of it is like kind of getting recut.
2: Interesting. All right, well, I've still got it in Mm -hmm. the... In the lathe, so I may go experiment with that. Yeah, because sure. I didn't. You,
1: I mean, you might take off like a hundred thou, you know. Yeah, well, not a hundred thou, like a like a, a couple of thou, couple of thousands. A night might be enough to change the interference. Interesting.
2: Okay, cool. It was fun to experiment with, but it didn't. It wasn't as clean as I was hoping. You know, obviously, it was mm-hmm. the first attempt, but. It looked like they were kind of – like it did a pass, and then it did another pass slightly offset. And so they – Yeah, then that
1: could be the diameter of your stock.
2: Yeah, gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, uh, let me thank our Patreon supporters, and you guys can find something to recommend because I don't have anything, so i got to find something. But – Uh, Big thanks to everybody that helps us out on Patreon. We've had a a few new uh, supporters in the past couple weeks and some messages. We get good messages all the time from people. Um, Had a really nice message from a Schumann Projects last time from last episode. Uh, You know, I was talking about the guitars and how I don't get to play them. And this person was saying, you know, my kids are a little bit older than your kids and you'll realize really soon that as they start to do more of their own things, you will have more free time. Ooh, yeah. So they were saying, like, hold on to your guitars <laughs> because in a few years, you might have time to play them, and, you know, if you still have the motivation, then play It, it was cool. It was a nice, uh, encouraging, personal note. So thank you for that. But we have lots of people over there that support us and send us messages and just uh, are awesome. We're really grateful for all of them, um, especially – Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from ManCrafting, You Can Make This Too, FunKiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Odin Leather Goods, and Full Steam Designs, but also Rich at Lowen Designs, who also sent me a message the other day. And it was a really nice he, – he got something out of one of my videos that was very helpful financially to him. He was looking at buying a bunch of Raspberry Pis for a project, and then he heard me recommend a different thing in one of my videos that would accomplish the same thing at a significant discount. Because, I don't know if anybody knows this right now, Raspberry Pi's, the microcomputer, should be about $40. That's what they sell for retail. Because of the chip shortage, they are now about $140. They are so expensive, Mm. if you can Mm. even find them. And so, um, he was able to find Mm. this little... It's Jimmy, by the way. This little uh, ESP module, a little microcontroller for like three bucks a piece, and it's going to accomplish what he needed. And so, anyway, uh, Rich is a, mm-hmm. a good guy, but it was cool to get messages. It's it's great to hear from people like that. So big thanks to Rich everybody has been here at
1: the house. Rich, Rich came to a welding class. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Um, it's it's awesome. Thank you everybody for the support over on Patreon. And if you want to get the after show which they all get, every level, you mm-hmm. can go to patreon.com slash it. Mm-hmm. help us out with a dollar or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, every episode, and, and you'll get the after show, which we're going to record mm-hmm. right after this.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's one long recording, and we just
0: cut mm-hmm. it in half. or not in half, mm-hmm. but... Can we talk about things going up in price for a second? I I'm I have this mm-hmm. idea for sure. this this project, mm-hmm. and basically, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to take... <laughs> I'm just laughing at Jimmy, sorry. Rolling Stone Magazine has this top 500 albums of all time. I'm going to take 50 Mm -hmm. of those and get those 50 cassette tapes and then make that into an art piece where I'm going to take a boom box and I'm going to gut it and make it out of wood. And it's all going to be this one big piece of furniture. And two years ago, cassette tapes, eBay, two bucks, three bucks, four bucks, five bucks. They are insane now. Cassettes are getting super popular. Really? We're talking like 20 to $30 for some of these cassettes. A lot of these cassettes. What? No
1: kidding. I'm glad I never threw my box away. Somewhere I have a box with
0: like five. I have a list
1: of 50. I'm doubtful. Well, I need 48 more
0: to complete this project. So uh, let, let's chat. I have several <laughs> cassettes, but they're
2: probably not on that
1: list, to be honest. <laughs> I have lots of mixes that I remember. Like Just by looking at the tape, I remember the mix that's on that tape.
2: Oh wow! Oh, yeah. I have a few yeah, of weird. the the uh, the Memorex tapes with the oh, yellow yeah. the clear tape with the yellow and the yeah. pink and the that uh, was very you know, very popular. Cool.
1: Yeah, I used to buy in the Lower East Side. I used to buy mix tapes from guys on the street, mm. so I have a lot of mixed tapes like DJ tapes. Oh, cool! These guys like walking down St Mark's Street. This guys selling. his like his mixtape, and I'm like, oh, I like that song. Let me buy. So I have a lot of those. That's cool. That's pretty cool.
2: Um. All right. Do you have anything
0: to recommend? I you asked me a question and I didn't answer. Like you were like, "What is the what is the end uh, goal with this thing?" And uh, the oh yeah, this curvy piece that I made. This is actually going to be a drink stand. We have a lounge chair in the living room, and this is going to sit next to that, and you can place your iced tea on there. So it's not finished yet. So does that does it flex? Like there is a, set there's a little bit of springiness, and I haven't quite figured out what i want to do to get rid of that springiness i thought about doing um <laughs> we're going back to the beginning of the podcast I thought about doing this this uh <laughs> face frame with a groove that you know cutting that groove with the router uh-huh. a router or cnc oh, oh that would look I really think nice that would still have yeah. some flex so i don't know if i want to put something i don't know i haven't figured it out yet I... yeah you could put like <laughs> acrylic
2: clear acrylic um, spacers yeah. or like sheets in there and fill yeah. it, you know, that something. could be really cool. not you know how you would end that, but yeah, so.
1: it looks like if you guys remember, there was a movie by Woody Allen called Sleeper where he wakes up into the future and then he's like, Everything is ultra modern. I need to see this. Cool. all right. My Google sleeper sitting on a chair, he's sitting on a chair that looks like that.
0: Hmm. And now I'm Googling it and not uh, he- giving my pick. So, my pick of the week. Is <laughs> a YouTube channel called Studio Binder. Um, it's a big channel. It's got like 1.1 million subscribers, but they have some really, really amazing how movies are made and how to make movie videos. I watched a. Uh, I like. I started binging last night. There was one on camera movement and the whatever 15 different types of camera movements and how and why they cause a certain emotion. And then there's uh, another one of. Dan Harmon's Story Circle, which is really, really stinking good. Um, just a whole. This is this is this is my current obsession right now. Is is Studio Binder.
1: Hmm. Cool. Oh, here's the picture, brother. Hold on, let me unplug my phone. <laughs> I found the picture of Woody Allen sitting on a chair, but I'm going to show you the camera. It's just a big bench strip of metal. Oh which it's oh. not exactly like your thing, but because <laughs> yeah, it's the future and everybody accepts all those inconveniences as, as style less than comfort. And it's a strip of metal that is bent like a C and he sits on it and can't figure out how to sit on it. sleeper. Okay. Uh, there's a, I, I've been told about this guy by a few people. And then this week I got a text from somebody who said, you gave me your card, but you should go check out Charlie Crockett. But just about a month ago, somebody was playing his videos for me and I was really impressed And he's become my new favorite country singer. So check out Charlie Crockett. He's absolutely uh, incredibly talented. Young guy, he's 38 years old, but his music style and his voice sounds like it's from the 50s. Sounds like he would fit right in with Merle Haggard and Hank Williams. So check out Charlie Crockett. And his. seems like he's all self-produced, which is great to see. He doesn't seem to have any sort of record deal with anybody, but he doesn't seem like he needs it in any way. His YouTube channel is cranking, and he seems to place his music, which is great.
2: Cool. Um, I'm going to re-recommend something that you recommended, David, that you recommended to me a few weeks back, is the book Twelve and a Mm -hmm. Half by uh, Gary V. I'm not finished with it yet, but I'm probably halfway through it. And I got to be perfectly honest, Gary Vee rubs me the wrong way. In a, and I know he does that for a lot of people. He seems like somebody that I would not want to spend any time around at all. <laughs> but every time I... feel bad
1: about my choices every time I listen to him.
2: But I have listened to a couple of his books. I listened to Crushing It, um, another one that I can't remember. And then I'm halfway through this one. And I will say that the books are excellent. Like... No matter how I feel about his personal, you know, how he would be, I have to admit that he he definitely has a lot of passion behind him. And I think the thing that was really interesting about this one, and maybe this is why you recommended it, I don't know, is that this is a business book about emotions and about being a, a person who – I don't even know how to say it. It's like it's about being a good person – and then you can use that for business too. <laughs> and so it's, it's about learning how to be empathetic and about learning how to be, you know, understanding of the different types of people and about caring about the right things and the wrong, not the wrong things. And it, it took me off
0: guard a little bit. Was that why you yeah, recommended yeah. it? Because it's that kind yeah, of a book. Because when I think yeah. of Bob Clegg, I think of family man first, you know, and, and mm-hmm. uh, um, just, and always doing, doing the right thing. And and I was like, Bob Bob would enjoy this book. Even though Gary V. rubs them yeah. the wrong way.
2: <laughs> well, I appreciate it because it was a good recommendation. And I think it's it's something, yeah, a lot of people would, whether they're doing business or just trying to figure out how to do their job better and, you know, be more effective there. I think a lot of it is about leadership. And in the first chapter, I took away something about leadership that I immediately turned around and used in our team. And that felt really cool. Like, Yesterday, I listened to a book and it told me this and it gave me a great idea for how to handle this particular situation. And that was pretty awesome. So it's called 12 and a half by Gary Vanderchuk. So I'll put a link to it. Go check it out. And thank you, David, for recommending it. It was good. Is good. It's good. Not done yet. It may get terrible in the second half. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if we, it's if just it going to take a dive. Yeah. We, <laughs> we can blame David for that. Cool. Uh, You guys got anything else for the week? Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Well, thank you for listening, everyone, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Love you.